0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the DCU Soccer Podcast. It has been a few weeks. Um, I had some stuff going on in my life, but it's mostly figured itself out, um, at least to the point where I think, uh, you know, we can put out some more content here. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host. Do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hey, uh, Daniel Wise. I am back again for for more D.C. United talk, uh, you know, like you said, it's been a really weird couple of weeks, Uh, actually probably a really weird month uh, with COVID-19. You know, we were initially a little little spotty with things because we thought, you know, ah, maybe this will be a month or so and, you know, hopefully we'll be back at it. But as time has gone on, uh, it's become really apparent that uh, you know, we might not be seeing a vaccine for another year or so. And a lot of industries are talking about, you know, sort of reopening at maybe July or August. So the timetables have been um, all sorts of uh, screwed up. And, and it's, it's in a way, you know, really kind of affected you and me personally. Uh, you know, y- you definitely have. Uh, you, you had a moment of panic uh, a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, really happy to hear that you've been able to uh, move through that. And then, um, yeah, with me, you know, I, I had a job offer that sort of had to get tabled for for a hot minute because of all of this going on. So hopefully, you know, things turn out there. But, uh, you know, I definitely feel lucky for being in the situation I'm in, you know, recently moving home and, uh, you know, being being home with the, uh, you know, sort of near the parents uh, is really nice during this time, you know, making sure that they're staying healthy and also, you know, staying sheltered in place uh, because it, you know, especially with my mom at times, you know, uh, she's definitely gotten a, a case of the cabin fever. And so she's been one to get out into the world a little bit. But, you know, we've just been kind of playing it real real cool. Uh, I guess, you know, for, for me, I've been working on a lot of weight loss during this time and, you know, I'd, I'd say in the past year or so I've lost about 70 pounds. So, you know, been, been kind of working on that sort of thing, working on kind of like a a personal development, uh, side of all of this. And, you know, uh, it's, it's been fun kind of reconnecting with, uh, you know, uh, some, some productivity stuff and, you know, kind of getting my mind ready so that when things start working again, uh, I'll be able to kind of hit the right about you know hit the ground running. So you know, working on bullet journaling and watching people like Nathaniel Drew and Matt Diavella on YouTube, a couple really good people who are you know all about sort of like you know that that positive mentality and you know uh, being being creative and and working through. Uh, all sorts of issues. So, you know, really glad to be back at this. So uh, for for anyone who wants to kind of uh, review, we are, you know, uh, out of action as far as like live Major League Soccer goes. Uh, we've been kind of treated to some classic matches. I know DC United ran a uh, a replay of their Opener against uh, San Jose back in 1996, and you know the last episode that we had, we talked about that 1996 season, and uh, it was an exciting time for DC United, uh, for soccer as a whole in America. You know, two years we moved from that 1994 World Cup, and you know what we saw that in you know first season was that a lot of fans really took to major league soccer. They, you know, there were a lot of, uh, initial really great numbers, you know, sort of tuning in and then, you know, it, it, it sort of leveled off, you know, as, as thing, time went on. But, uh, I think that first season like really captured a, a lot of hearts and minds for, for soccer fans here in America. So, uh, DC United, they ended up winning the, uh, first MLS championship against the LA galaxy over at uh, Foxborough stadium up in new England. And, uh, it was, it was a thrilling game where DC United fell, fell a couple goals early and then they had to kind of scratch and claw their way back. And, uh, it was a, you know, brilliant ha- header by Eddie Pope at the end to put them up three, uh, two and take a home for that first championship. Uh, so now we move on to the 1997 season. And uh, do, you, do you remember where you were at in 1997,
0: in Ken? No, I don't. I was too young for the, to remember uh, uh, most, if anything, in, in this year in general. Uh, so I do not. I remember uh, many years later my dad telling me a lot about this and, and showing me his you know recordings and stuff but but no i uh i probably was uh at home or at daycare <laughs> so um, really yeah yeah that yeah, oh. so.
1: wow are you that young yeah i actually don't i actually don't know how old you are how old are you
0: so i'm 25
1: 25 okay i'm 33 so i was i was a solid 11 years old uh by the time this came around so I, I had a little wherewithal of, of world events and you know if, if you'll sort of give me the liberty to kind of refresh of what was happening in nineteen ninety-seven, uh that was the year that Princess Diana uh died in a car accident in Paris, France, where the paparazzi were uh hounding her vehicle and they ended up uh sort of barreling into the wall of this tunnel and uh uh she she died that night and so you know i I remember the world like mourning her and i wasn't quite clear about you know what the big deal was but she was a really you know influential uh, part of the royal family um especially as someone who uh really dedicated her life to philanthropy and and reaching out to people in need uh it was it was a pretty uh heavy moment for the world at that time um Another thing was that the minimum minimum wage of that time was five fifteen an hour, and I don't think it moved much, you know, <laughs> after that. Uh, I yeah, I was so about not,
0: to say. Yeah, I think
1: I was in college. I think the minimum wage had crept its way up to like six fifty or something like that, and boy. Was I happy to start making big boy money once I got my first job out of college? And I was like, oh, man, I don't even know what to do with all this money now. I'm like making like three times of what I usually make. And I felt so, you know, fabulously wealthy. But then I was also living in Washington, D.C. So all of that money went to my rent. And I was like, oh, no, I am i haven't escaped this at all. Uh, but You'll also, uh, you'll like this, uh, eight, 802.11 Wi-Fi was introduced that year. And then in terms of MLS, uh, the scope of that, the league, two expansion teams were announced uh, for the 1998 season. One was the Chicago Fire, and then the other was the uh, you know, sort of sadly short-lived uh, Miami Fusion of '98 to '01. So those were some things that were happening at that time. And uh, you know, uh, DC United they wanted to come off and and really uh, have a a really solid season. You know, we talked a lot about uh, how they faced a lot of uh, struggles in the season before and. There was a slight improvement uh, this year. Uh, they finished uh, top of the east, and their record was 17 and 11. and uh, they uh, eventually uh, made it into the playoffs. Uh, so as far as their you know uh, season was concerned, um, let's see that Raul Diaz Arso and Marce- or Marco Echeveri received Player of the Week awards that year. Uh, Jaime Marino and Je- John Harks received Player of the Month awards. Uh, although, interestingly enough, Player of the Month, but never like Player of the Weeks within those months. So I found that fascinating how you cannot win Player of the Week, but then you can win Player of the Month for a particular month. Anyways, that kind of stood out to me as I was looking at uh, stats. Uh, Eddie Pope received Defender of the Year. Uh, Bruce Arena was coach of the year and Marco Echevri received uh, the goal of the year and Jaime Moreno and Raul diaz Arce led the league in goals with 16 and 15 goals respectively. So DC United uh, put up some points. Uh, well, not some points, but some goal tallies that year. Uh, they kind of, blew out the league in terms of their um, goals for. So they ended up with 70 goals uh, on the season. And I think the next team that was closest to them was the uh, Kansas City Wizards with 57. And so uh, this team put up, put up some points uh, that year and um, you know, with, with uh, that, that sort of uh, dual threat, of Arsa and Moreno, uh, they absolutely uh, lit up the league. Um, you know, sort of looking at that regular season, is there, was there anything that kind of stood out to you, uh, you know, kind of looking back? I know it was sort of challenging because even while I was kind of putting this together, uh, not a lot of attention has been put on that 1997 season as much as people really talked about MLS in that inaugural season.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, one of the things that that struck me was, like you said, that that goal um, amount, but I mean, also the goal differential, right? Like the, they were uh, plus 17, which was um, relatively, you know, relatively high. I mean, you, the next the next uh, team up was the Galaxy with plus 11, and then it kind of drops off from there. Um, mm-hmm. With a lot of these teams up being in the negative, I guess because <laughs> DC was scoring so much, maybe. But um, you know, I thought that was. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty impressive, right? I mean, especially after I, you know, we, we talked about it last time, but the, the 1996 season was kind of like a mixed bag in the in the regular season. Um, but but this one, uh, you know, you can kind of see here where uh, improvements were made. Um, and and yeah, the uh, Etcheverry, uh goal, uh, goal of the year, I think the MLS recently actually posted a video that um, so that was cool to see. I can include that in the, in the show notes, but um, that, that was really cool. You know, what a great player, but what a great goal. It was, you know, um, a lot of skill there, but, but it was kind of cool that, you know, we're talking about it now and, and the MLS had just posted that as like a review, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, with a strong showing that season uh, it, Uh, allowed D.C. United to qualify for the 1998 CONCACAF Champions Cup uh, along with the Colorado Rapids. And, I mean, you you also want to, you know, sort of look at, you know, uh, additionally how how well they did. Uh, They won the league rather comfortably. Uh, Number one in the East with 55 points, and then the nearest team to them was Kansas City with 49 points. So they, you know, really – came out that season and, and performed. So then we had the MLS cup, uh, playoffs and DC United, uh, took on the new England revolution in the first, uh, round of the conference semifinals. Uh, so with that game, uh, DC United first, first game out, uh, you know, they were the number one seed against the number four and they blew them out in the first game, uh, four to one. And then uh, came out in the second game and won on uh, penalties 4-3 uh, to three, uh, after a 1-1 draw in the uh, first round. Uh, which I think is kind of interesting that they would still do uh, penalties uh, upon tying in a second leg game where DC United has already uh, uh, built a, a strong aggregate score. So I, I don't, I, you know, that's that's interesting to me. Do, do, is there anything that sticks out about that to you, or or anything I don't, that seems redundant to me? <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think we would have to look more in the detail of the game, but yeah, definitely, like what you're saying is basically like they didn't really need to do that to change the outcome of of what was going to happen. Um, maybe my guess, um, I don't know, just thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it affected something down the line or, you know, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, that is kind of strange. But yeah, against the, the revolution, I mean, we kind of blew them out. So, yeah, why would it why would it matter in, the, in that? Time I around? guess
1: I mean, the MLS was it, it was. And to a degree when it's it still is, is that. Uh, it's a it's a strange hodgepodge of rules and regulations. Uh, when I was on the D.C. United Kingdom podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I had to explain how uh, GAM and TAM, uh, you know, sort of funds work. And that took a lot out of me, like in terms of mental space, where I, I literally forgot when the 9-11 terrorist attacks happened where I thought I, for some reason, I thought it was 2011, but it was actually 2001. And But that's exactly like w- what trying to study the rules of MLS kind of does to your brain. If you remember back in the 90s when they had that fried egg commercial with this is your brain on drugs, that's yeah, your yeah. brain on trying to explain Major League Soccer. On MLS rules, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I feel uh, that's kind of you know what i'm feeling about i would love to know why exactly they would go to penalties uh knowing that dc united had scored you know such a a strong opening leg but anyways uh moving on
0: to the next uh you know other uh, one thing uh one thing that um maybe in the same vein that we should mention is that um obviously this was the second year of the league too so like There were probably a lot of things that were even stranger. I mean, they still had those, you know, strange shootouts and stuff. Um, These old style, weird, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't consider them, you know, very cool, but but uh, shootouts. And so, yeah, this was the second second year of the league. So probably a lot of uh, odd stuff or odd, you know, rules that they probably later changed or stuff like that.
1: It has. To, it, I I would imagine it's probably predicated on the desires of you know TV execs that are you know chomping on cigars or something, being like, hey, we gotta figure out a way to spice up this European sport for Americans. We gotta make this exciting or something, you know. So so then that's yeah, where uh, you <laughs> get the shootouts rather than you know just having straight up draws and letting the drama of the season just sort of unfold uh, organically rather than you know winner and loser has to happen or something like that but but then again they're also keeping you know two leg playoff matches and it, it it's weird it's strange it's it's is it's fascinating to see how much of this amalgamation of strange you know american and european influences kind of like meshed together in this sport in its early years so that's just um, incredibly fascinating to me. Uh, I know there's been some books about MLS and I'm for sure going to try to dig into some, some of those when, you know, as, as far as like those early years are concerned, cause, cause some of this weird stuff is super fascinating to me. Uh, but anyways, moving on to kind of the other matches, you had the Tampa Bay mutiny, uh, facing off against the Columbus crew. And the crew ended up uh, moving to the next round over in the Western Conference. You had Colorado Rapids being the Kansas City Wizards uh, on a six to two aggregate and Dallas Byrne beating uh, L.A. Galaxy uh, it, again in this weird sort of way. And I don't know how they sort of judge this on aggregate or whatever, but Dallas Burn beat L.A. Galaxy on a shootout in the first leg game and then. Beat, and then Dallas won again in the next game, three to zero. So then was the aggregate five to zero then, or was it three to zero? Again, this is so weird to me, and then, like just seeing these numbers, <laughs> just completely stick out to me. And I'm I'm just fascinated with with how these people sort of built this rule set, uh, and especially as someone who's like into games, you know, whether it's video games or board games. And just like how people kind of develop uh, rules and play styles and whatnot. Uh, I would just love to know how they made all of that work. Uh, So then moving on to the conference finals, you had DC United playing against the Columbus crew, winning four to two on aggregate. And the Colorado Rapids beating the Dallas Burn uh, three to one on aggregate. And that brings us to our MLS cup final, uh, between DC United and the Colorado Rapids. So couldn't find a whole lot on this, uh, as, as far as, you know, any footage or any articles or whatnot about it. So, you know, I'm sort of going to read off about what this game was like, uh, So the MLS uh, Cup in 1997 was the second edition of the championship, the postseason championship match of Major League Soccer in the United States. It was played on October 26, 1997, between defending champions DC United and the Colorado Rapids, who determined the champion of the 97 season. The match was played in front of 57,431 spectators at RFK Memorial Stadium. In Washington D.C., and it was, you know, kind of like the season before was a big rainstorm that sort of permeated throughout the uh, course of the match. Uh, so the uh, D.C. they repeated as MLS C- uh, Cup champions, winning the match 2-1 on goals by Jaime Moreno in the 37th minute and Tony Santa in the 68th minute. Uh, substitute Adrian Paz scored a consolation goal for Colorado in the 75th minute, but the team uh, was unable to draw level. The 1997 final was the first MLS Cup to be decided in regular time and the first to be won by a host team. To date, this has been the first and only championship game held in D.C. to be won by a D.C.-based professional team. So, little feather in the cap of D.C. United. The crowd of 57,000 was the second largest uh, soccer audience in the history of RFK Stadium. It was also the MLS Cup to feature two brothers on the same roster, as Chris Henderson and Sean Henderson both started the match for Colorado. As finalists, DC United and Colorado Rapids both earned a berth to play in the 1998 CONCACAF Champions Cup. So, DC United ended up, uh, you know, in a, a less dramatic fashion, ended up, uh, repeating as champions. Uh, you know, throughout this time, did you get some time to look into this game at all? Is there anything that kind of stuck out to you, uh, in regards to the 97 final?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was funny that, uh, it was, uh, so rainy again, um, after, after we had talked about that, the 1996, uh, you know, stuff. But, um, but, yeah, I think one of the cool things about this and, and kind of one of the things that kind of cements the club's, uh, one of many things that cements the club's, like, place in history is that, you know, this was the first time, obviously the first time that uh, any MLS club had, you know, um, consecutively, consecutively won the MLS Cup. Um, Mm -hmm. and they, no one else was able to do it for another 10 years until the Dynamo did it, um, in, uh, 2007. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, that, that has really struck, struck me, um, kind of thinking about that, like in today's terms, you know, we have teams that, that do really well and, and kind of, you know, you have Seattle who went a couple over the last, whatever amount of years, but you know, repeating. Um, and, and when teams repeat that, you know, you, you really take notice. Um, and, and if that were to happen, you know, uh, this year, if Seattle won again, or if, if, if you know, LAFC starts taking these, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of want to stress, like, how cool and, and kind of important that is. And, and why, um, one of the reasons why, you know, even in the early times, you know, there's this, you know, good stigma about DC United and, and kind of the history. Yeah.
1: And man talk about uh, a a surprise number that sticks out with that uh what was it 57,400 something um at RFK Stadium uh you know I one of the things that uh you know uh, sort of towards the latter end of of the years at RFK you know particularly the years I was there uh you know it was primarily you know, the only time I ever saw that stadium filled up was a, uh, what was it? It was a international friendly between uh, the U.S. men's national team and the German men's national team. And so, you know, for, for years it's always been, you know, it's just that lower level that gets uh, filled up for D.C. United games. Uh, but it was, it was shocking to see the whole stadium. Filled up for an international friendly, so uh, you know, kind of being in in that space uh, at that time, uh, that that kind of gave me a sense of you know, remembering back to what that was like. You know, probably what was that? What was it? it was like being at a packed RFK Stadium for that MLS Cup final, and uh, you know, that's just that's just super cool, and and that really shows like you know the impact that. You know, I think especially winning that first uh, cup did for DC United and sort of like the greater uh, football community there. Um, you know, a question I kind of wanted to ask you, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, you were, you were a youngster at that time, but, you know, I guess for your dad, if you might have ever asked this, you know, uh, if it wasn't for that initial uh, win in 1996, would DC United's fans you know be as as you know fervent you know in their support for them uh if DC United hadn't won you know uh maybe maybe there there's probably some 96ers that are offended at me asking that question but you know what what do you think about that
0: yeah yeah no I think it's a it's a reasonable question I think Uh, my guess is that I mean you'll find like DC United fans you know relatively widespread especially on the the eastern uh, seaboard here my guess is that you know if if we didn't have that early success is that uh, we wouldn't have fans uh, so relatively far away so I'm not sure we would see as many fans um, you know I I see them like on Twitter on all kinds of stuff um, or on the, the Facebook groups but um, you know, from like South Carolina or like, you know, all that, I don't think we would see as much of that. Um, some of that is because of, you know, there were less teams then too, but, but, you know, you don't necessarily see, um, you know, a, a lot of other clubs in, in the country that have been around for so long also have, you know, so many fans in a bunch of, uh, you know, over a hundred miles away or whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's probably what would be affected. Um, but uh, thank, thank God, I guess <laughs> that we did because you know we're we're uh, we're one of the top, you know, teams when people talk about, about uh, MLS, right? So. Right,
1: and 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 I like that you said that about sort of like the more distant uh, DC United supporters. Uh, if if uh, who. Whoever the mystery person that runs the uh, uh, Washington regulars uh, accounts is is listening, you know, I guess if he ever wants to uh, send me a DM or something to say, you know, whether or not those initial successful seasons are a big reason why he's doing what he's doing as as far as being a Midwestern based uh, D.C. United uh, supporters um, group, you know, uh, that would be that would be a fascinating um, conversation, I think. Uh, maybe maybe I'll just drop him a, a, a line or him or her, whoever this is, uh, and, and see see what that's about. I, 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 That's a really interesting point, Ken. I like that. Um, so yeah, they, they repeat their champions again. But unfortunately, they weren't able to repeat the double as uh, uh, U.S. Open Cup champions um they ended up going out in the final against Dallas but you know sort of backing up uh in August they faced the Tampa Bay Mutiny and ended up winning 2-0 to uh move on to the semifinals where they took on now I love this the San Francisco Bay Seals and I kind of want to take a, you know, see if I can Google this team up and see see what that uh, Crescent kit looked like. But uh, D.C. ended up winning that uh, two to one in Stockton, California, and then uh, moved on to the final, which was held in Indianapolis. And they took on the Dallas Burn. Now, they had a pretty cagey match where they ended regular time uh tied nil nil and then moved on to the shootout where dallas was able to pull out the victory with uh five to three on penalties uh were you able to look up anything else about this again you know this is information was super sparse as i was trying to look for stuff to fill up the document here so is there anything you found as far as like this goes
0: um, nothing specifically. Uh, I did notice that, um, from, from, uh, some of the stuff that, that I was able to look up that DC United was able to wear their third kit, uh, which is pretty famous, um, in, in the final. Uh, so, you know, that, that's pretty cool. The, the Dr. Seuss, uh, you know, kit. Oh. so that, that was pretty interesting. Um, and you know, who knows if this random site I found is is accurate? But but that would be pretty cool. Seems possible considering it's a U.S. Open Cup match and it's uh, on neutral soil and everything. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it would have been really great if they had taken this out and 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 what we're going to talk about in a little bit, but had won uh, three three titles basically um, mm-hmm. instead of just the two for the year. But you know getting to the final is is really a testament to to how good this team was um uh, you know as well
1: yeah absolutely uh so as as you sort of alluded to earlier um the uh the first year that a north american sort of top light uh top flight uh soccer team was able to participate in the concacaf champions league and so, uh, yeah, DC and I came in with uh, some, some lofty expectations, I'd imagine, um, you know, especially uh, having such a strong team, but uh, unfortunately meeting their demise in the semifinals. So they were uh, able to come across or to defeat, uh, is that, what flag is that? Is that Trinidad and Tobago? With the red and, and the black line through the center, you know what I'm yeah, talking I think about? So. Seeing that, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think so. so that was uh, they yeah, ended yes. up winning one nil against United Petronin, and moved on to the semifinals to take on the Lx or L.A. Galaxy, uh, who beat Honduran side Luis Angel, uh, in and. The semifinals, the Galaxy were able to get past DC United one 0 but eventually, uh, were uh, f- they fell to a, I'd imagine, pretty strong Cruz Azul uh, team, uh, five to three in the final. So, you know, this was a this was a big deal because, uh, you know, first time seeing, uh, you know, these North American soccer teams. Uh, sort of play with you know, kind of the big boys, uh, down in Central America and the Caribbean. So, uh, it was, it was, uh, kind of interesting to see how far that you know, not DC United, but LA Galaxy were able to, uh, get through, uh, to that final. So, you know, interesting, interesting time, uh, for this team, and, uh, you know. Uh, you know one out of three ain't bad as far as you know championships uh are concerned uh but you know overall like you look at how well they did in that um second season uh this was a really dominant uh dc united side
0: yeah yeah no for sure um it, yeah it's kind of interesting comparing this to the the uh Com- 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 champions league that we have now because like you know, getting an MLS team into the final there is kind of something that, you know, we celebrate <clears throat> as fans of the league. Um, so seeing how early on that that was already happening uh, might kind of raise some questions about where we are now, kind of. Um, but, you know, yeah.
1: And, it, you know, it's... it's uh, Yeah, <laughs> that's a, a good point, uh, talking about where we're at now. Um, you know... I, you know we're 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 in the midst of a really difficult time, and especially you know boy, talk about a team that was uh coming into you know or i guess before this coronavirus thing hit uh, a team that um you know in in some aspects looked strong uh, you know against um inter miami in in some respects but uh kind of. Uh, kind of folded a little bit against uh Colorado in that first match. So, you know, looking at like where DC United was at in those first two seasons and and where they're at now, uh how how do you feel about this team, you know, kind of looking at those those two sides now, you know, where where has DC United gone in that period?
0: Yeah, I mean and you know we'll we'll also talk about it more when we cover some of the other winning seasons but you know I mean these were really really good teams some of these teams you know uh especially this this 1997 team um are in contention for you know some of the best teams to ever play in the league um of you know however many you know unique instances of teams have played over the years um mm-hmm. you know so that that those are really big deals and so our our kind of recent history uh last ten, fifteen, you know, years have, you know, not necessarily all the way to fifteen, but, you know, been kind of mediocre. So kind of looking back to this is, is refreshing, but but it's also, you know, kind of uh not not you know, it's kinda of sad in a little ways, but you know yeah. we we used to be that team you know we used to be the like the team in mls um you know to beat so uh, it's kind of kind of sad to see how we've kind of slipped maybe you know it, from the top two or three of the discussion to to the top 15 you know so uh that's yeah. that's kind of not great in in my opinion but but it happens i guess uh <laughs>
1: Would you say it's it's attributed more? Is it is it more just you know in general the league itself has has gotten better in terms of like the talent pool available in terms of how young players have developed and oh boy you know you want to talk about the development uh, operation kind of taking a nosedive uh, in the last like week or two. Um, you know, but but is it is it that, or has it been? You know, DC United has been mismanaged, or is it kind of like a combination of the two? Uh, you know, what what do you think? You know, sort of lands DC in in its current spot.
0: Yeah, no, I think. Well, I mean, I think there's a, a confluence of things, as as um, these things normally go. But you know, dynasties only last for so long, and and you usually you know, follow them with some pretty sad, <laughs> sad years, right? So, um, you know, you, you find this in a lot of sports, you find this in American football, you know, different different teams have, you know, r- risen up and n- mm-hmm. never been the same. You know, you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, you know, s- yeah. teams teams tend to do this, right? Um, we'll probably see this at some point with the Patriots in American football as well. But, like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a, a thing um, – that happens, uh, yeah. so I think that's a big part of it. Is the the fact that you can't stay on top forever, just forever, for whatever reason our universe is not compromised with you know the right variables for teams to be able to be successful over 10 or 20 years typically. Um, uh, but but also I mean uh, I think management has something to do with it. I don't think it is as much about um, you know the league changing I, I don't think it's as much about that I think obviously having more teams makes it harder so there's that but you know it, it's uh every team's able to get talented players um, yeah. every team has the resources to have scouts and have a mm-hmm. have a coaching staff who can compete every every team has these these abilities um, in theory right so yeah. it's not it's not like we're not we don't have a salary cap for example like we're all Pretty much playing in the same realm, the same tier. Uh, so, so I, I think, you know, I think it's probably thirty percent of of DC's fault, and then seventy percent of of the, you know, just happens, right? Uh, especially yeah. the success that DC had, you know, massive success. It just kind of you you don't always have that. Now, here's my
1: other here's another question, you know, because. I love hypotheticals. I like thinking abstractly and I like kind of throwing weird questions like this out there. But if you took that 1997 uh, squad and say you kind of captured their youth in a bottle and you put them on the field today, you know, how do you think how do you think they do in in today's Major League Soccer sort
0: of landscape? Oh, geez, that's that's a hard one. Um I think they would do fine. Right. I mean, it's obviously impossible to say it's a hard question, but um, I think that team, you know, it had some really dynamic players. I mean, you talk about Echeverry, probably, you know, one of the top five, number 10s, if not the top number 10 in the league ever. Um, You know, Jaime Moreno, you know, top five goal scorer in MLS history. Um, those things count for something, right? So no, I think, I think overall, and you know, obviously the defense is pretty, pretty solid too, in in terms of not only DC legends, but, but men's national teams legends. So no, I think they do, they do fine. I I mean, would they be able to beat the teams like, you know, last year's LAFC, um, or, or some of the better Atlanta United teams, uh, we've seen recently, probably, probably not. Um, probably more so to do with, you know, h- how athletes nowadays are so much more advanced about nutrition, exercise, all that stuff, you know, yeah. um, you can calculate all kinds of stuff. Uh, but also the, the the thinking of the game, I mean, it's advanced, not as quickly as the nutritional stuff, but, but you know, you know, 10, 20%, you know, more thinking, more computer models, whatever, yeah. um, gives you that advantage, right? So I, I think that's going to be a lot of the the things there too
1: yeah i don't I don't think Maradona would exactly fly you know with his habits in in today's world, but you know who knows uh he was he was very impressive uh in his era, but i always i always like to think you know what what would it be like if you took those you know sort of legends of the game you know from twenty thirty years ago and and kind of in their prime put them out here exactly like how how they would uh Perform these days, and you know that's that's such an impossible question to answer. You know, you'd you'd have to like die and go to soccer heaven to know for sure. You know what that would uh, you know what that would be like. And so uh, you know, I was I was kind of like uh, you know so that that's that's my idea of of fantasy soccer is is you know figuring out you know if Johan Cruyff were were still playing today, you know how he would be uh, in, in the different systems, you know, uh, that exist now. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting stuff, but, um, yeah, you know, sort of getting past that, you know, and then kind of talking about recent DC United stuff. Is there anything you've picked up on as far as, uh, what's going on in the world of, of the black and red today?
0: Uh, not so much. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, I think maybe you mentioned, uh, in the beginning, I've had a crazy couple of weeks, so I've kind of been focusing on, you know, making sure I have income and stuff. <laughs> so it's yeah. been kind of, uh, uh, and luckily things have been, have been working out pre- pretty well, uh, overall. Um, but, but no, I haven't, and I need you to fill me in. So please do. <laughs> right. So,
1: um, you know, with, with, uh, Everything that's been going on. Um, one of the interesting things is, you know, how esports have more or less been able to kind of keep going. Especially uh, looking at NASCAR and to a degree Formula One, um, uh, a lot of these drivers are still participating in events, and actually in a, a couple cases have lost sponsors because. You know, in in certain ways, you know, uh, with with some of these professional athletes, uh, their their habits as gamers and, and habits as athletes uh, apparently are very very separate. Because uh, with with a couple of NASCAR racers, uh, you know, one actually rage quit during a race and lost a sponsor, and then another one uh, threw out a racial epithet. Uh, and I believe lost a bunch of sponsors, if not got kicked from his team. But uh, you know, uh, it's it's been interesting to see how these uh, athletes are kind of like adjusting to a, a new landscape of of competition. Um, but one thing that is happening is that uh, EMLS is doing a tournament special uh, involving FIFA on on PS4. And uh on FS1 and Fox Sports, uh Sunday nights, they're gonna be showing um the uh EMLS tournament. So essentially we've got uh Paul Ariola uh teaming up with uh, oh, I'm not familiar with, with uh our, our FIFA end of thing, but King CJO or something like that. Uh they are going to be teaming up to uh, play uh, Diego Fagundes and GKO, who is representing the New England Revolution. So Sunday, April 26th, is going to be the DC United versus Revolution matchup, and that's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern on FS1. So it'll be, you know, I'm I'm kind of excited to see. uh, You know, mostly I just want to see my boy Paul uh, doing something. You know, so so seeing him, you know, get on the sticks in FIFA, I, I think uh, will be will be pretty enjoyable. You know, he's he's got a good personality and all of that. Uh, but yeah, and then um, let's see. Uh, I guess I guess doing a quick shout out. Uh, to our boy uh, James over at DC United Kingdom, he just had an uh, another episode of uh yeah the dc united kingdom um podcast and he uh had an episode with uh the uk nycfc uh crew so they talked a little bit but he also had uh was it adoy Atsum? he's been able to uh talk to uh a couple people at dc united to uh kind of see what things have been, see how they've been adjusting to the new landscape with COVID-19. So, uh, you know, some some good stuff to check out. And as far as Major League Soccer goes, uh, it's looking like June 8th is going to be the tentative return date for actual soccer action. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's even too early still as far as, like, you know what we're seeing as timetables, and and you know how are you feeling about you know sort of the seasons going on uh, as far as this year is concerned?
0: Yeah, no, I I, I think uh, June eighth will be way too early for people to go to stadiums. Um, yeah. So maybe they'll do something with no fans. I mean, there's been rumors, um, stuff like that. Uh, but but I mean, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I think. Um, I think we'll have to see, you know, we're kind of seeing the peak in some areas. We're still seeing stuff go up exponentially in some other ones. Um, so I think it'll really depend on, on if, you know, we can get over this as a country, not over this, but, you know, down as a country before that time. Um, because some parts might still be peaking, uh, you know, or, or a second wave might hit, you know, you don't know, uh. Or if they start opening things, they will cause a second wave. Um, mm-hmm. So no, I, I, I would I would definitely not uh, bet money that it will come back on June eighth. Um, I would bet that they're gonna push it back and change some other stuff too, like, you know, change the regular season format. Maybe I don't I don't know, but uh, in in a drastic way, I mean, so I, I'm not sure uh, if we're gonna be seeing too much live soccer anytime soon, to be honest.
1: Gotcha. That's yeah, what a bummer. Um, I guess to kind of close this all out, um, do you have any shout outs for this week?
0: Uh yeah. so this is awesome. like an account I've actually been following for a little bit now. Um it is a, an, a, an account from Ireland that watches MLS. Um it's called at MLS Watch. Um I kinda like, you know, the stuff uh, that he puts out, it's kind of fun. Um, I kind of have a soft spot for the the people watching MLS in other countries. I guess apparently, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it, I always I always like you know his takes. You know he'll he'll do videos sometimes. Uh, he'll post about other soccer stuff too. Um, but yeah, you know his 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 bio is basically you know watching North American soccer from Ireland. You know so um, that's pretty cool uh if, if you want to check that out awesome definitely well uh
1: as far as my uh recommendation goes uh shout out to between clean sheets uh she's a youtuber and dc united season ticket member uh she is a a really hilarious uh person to follow she uh, uh is big on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. And, uh, you know, she, she does some cool stuff. Like she, uh, you know, did a unboxing of the sort of care package that season ticket members, um, got for, uh, you know, uh, for, for being members. So like, you know, they got a 2020 season ticket scarf, uh, I believe a DC United mug and then a couple other items. And then they had this beautiful, like, Black box with the 25 years motif on it. Uh, and then inside had uh, Audi Field as kind of like this stifled, you know, black and white image. And then uh, bordered around that were uh, a whole bunch of DC and I believe, um, you know, sort of like Northern Virginia neighborhoods all kind of like lined around that. So, and it actually, uh, you know, big shout out to my friend Khadija who uh works at a real estate brokerage and her uh boss actually gave uh, her the uh, season ticket members box uh which she then sent to me. So you know big thanks to her for for kind of brightening up uh you know kind of my whole year uh mo- moving away from DC and then getting that from her was uh pretty special. So you know uh yeah yeah it was a really nice package and all that. But anyways back to the point. You know, between clean sheets, she's she's fantastic on Twitter and Instagram and on YouTube. So go ahead and, and give her a follow, and, and, yeah, she makes good stuff.
0: Yeah, no, uh, she's great. I follow her, too. Um, yeah, and she's on YouTube, like you mentioned, and um, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, cool. Um, yes, yeah, so we'll come back uh, next week for the 1999 uh, season. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, uh, anything else you'd like to uh, promote or talk about?
1: You know, this is this is sort of this. Uh, you know, um, I do my Soccer Made Simple thing on the side as well, but with soccer kind of being on a hiatus, you know, there's not a whole lot of it to, like, watch. And that's sort of, like, my advocacy with doing that whole thing uh, is to kind of keep people abreast with what's going on uh, with with soccer these days, but it's so kind of like inside baseball and up in the air with what is going on because a lot of it is leagues trying to reformat themselves to drop like, uh, promotion and relegation. I know Liga MX is doing that, and then you've got all sorts of leagues that are trying to discuss like wage cuts and stuff like that. So it's just a really messy situation overall. So you know, once once things you know get started again, I will you know return to that. So Soccer Made Simple. I actually have two episodes up on iTunes right now. If if you, you know you want to check that out, or you know it's also on Stitcher and Spotify and all the those other platforms. So if you want to go ahead and Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at @S_Dakota_Soccer, and we will be back again next week to discuss 1999. And you know, uh, hopefully back in a better flow. You know, you know, hopefully the turbulation is is winding down, and you know we'll be we'll be uh, sort of back to normal soon, hopefully.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, Yeah, and and also if you haven't had a chance to listen to the previous episode um, with the 1996, um, it's relatively timeless, so you can kind of uh, go check that out, the last episode as well. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. um, And obviously you can can find me on Twitter at DCU underscore soccer, um, and on Instagram as well with that uh, username. Um, But yeah, uh, for now, see you next week.